0: Hello, everyone. Uh, this is an, another episode of uh, Biofilm News where I'm joined together by my uh, former colleague and a fellow PhD graduate, Daniel herrera Juarez. Welcome, Daniel.
1: Good to see you again, Uh
0: So, today I wanted to talk about a, a particular news article that I came across, which I think raises a lot of interesting questions in the, the world of um, well, uh, patients in, in the world of healthcare, in the world of research, I think we can have an interesting discussion. So the the article in question comes from MedTech Dive and uh, its title is new garden genomic database could be worth $2 billion, analysts say. So briefly, the, the company that we're talking today about is Garden Health, which is, uh, which is, I guess, a a company that is uh, performing uh, clinical research and performing cancer research. And basically, the the point of the article has to do with the clinical uh, data that this company is collecting from the cancer patients. And basically, uh, uh, in a recent report, Garden said that uh, results from repeat circulating tumor DNA tests In an 86,000 patient database that were described at the American Association for Cancer Research meeting will show how tumors evolve and develop resistance. And some of the analysts are actually saying that the database that uh, GARDEN has been able to generate with these recurring DNA tests would be actually worth $2 billion. So I guess let's briefly discuss a little bit about the the type of testing that they that they're doing and why I think that's actually kind kind of interesting, and where I think their um, advantage is as compared to maybe traditional biopsies that uh, other companies are doing when it comes to cancer.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, I can I can I can start off and uh, and you can you can you can probably pick pick it up. So uh, go for it. So uh, I think and I'm I would say. As a disclaimer, I'm not the, the most uh, uh, learned cancer biologist. I have some knowledge about cancers. Uh, so uh, the the importance of doing recurrent testing when it comes to cancer research is cancer cells and cancers and tumors are one of the most um, interesting, I guess, biological entities that keep evolving over time. and. Uh, uh, specifically, it's very important for treatment options that are available for, for patients because uh, a cancer that you want to, that you start to treat early with one particular type of, uh, say, chemotherapy or, or, or other type of, like, immunotherapy, for example, may not respond uh, down the line to the same uh, therapy because cancer cells adapt, they evolve. So there is a lot of value in trying to understand. The dynamics of the changes on a g- genome level and other types of uh, levels um, with respect to cancer cells and how how that progresses uh, uh, over time over the course of the treatment option. So, this kind of uh, uh, knowledge is actually quite valuable for, for many people, for researchers, for patients, for clinicians. Yeah. What do you think, Daniel?
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, s- you summarize it in this, pen, Yes. It is, um, what surprises me is that this is not the first database that is sold. You know, I think was it was uh, Roche Rocher, AstraZeneca, that just bought one for uh, $5.7 billion as well. Oh, and, wow. Yeah, like, uh, it was another, like, big um, information. But what's really interesting about this stuff is, are the patients okay with this? I- nowadays we can sequence the genome and you know even even if you don't have the name and address of the patient you still can know a lot about them from some of these uh, studies
0: yeah who do you think would benefit the most from this data other than let's say let's take the company aside Mm -hmm. on the on just the pure value of that database is it the patients can get the most benefit? Is it clinicians who need actually to make these decisions? Or is it potentially just basic research? Who do you think can value that data the most and get the most out of it?
1: Honestly, companies. None of the, none of the above. Because oh, the, the patients right now, this database is already from patients that are already had the cancer, either survived or died, so they will not benefit from it. Mm-hmm. Right, that uh what was it? Eighty six thousand patients that already will not benefit from it. Maybe eventually it will allow clinicians to be able to guide their therapy over time, depending on how the tumor is mutating. Mm-hmm. Right, but uh, in order to do that, the clinician would need to pay to the company that has this information for f- practically free from the patients. Yeah, and right? do
0: you, so, and I, I guess the sad part is why I also brought up the researchers, researchers could really, really benefit from that kind of analysis and publish a number of different papers, which I yeah. guess this company would probably also leverage to publish some scientific papers. But I think it for basic research, for our purposes of doing like the stuff that we do at our institute, for example, doing some kind, some kind of uh, analysis of that nature, getting the, our hands on that data would really, allow for many opportunities for for future you know grant writing for future opportunities to to just dive deeper into some of the smaller details that maybe sort of get missed by bigger companies
1: well that, that is very true and actually the if i remember correctly this company does make um, available their data for researchers
0: oh really okay yeah which
1: which is really uh, which is really nice but i don't know how easy it is to actually Publicly available can mean a lot of different things. Yeah,
0: it could, yeah. It might need a login and password after after seven day trial.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that is something that you know needs to be discussed. How much how much access are gonna be for basic researchers, whether it's gonna continue to be accessible for uh, researchers if the company gets sold or what's gonna happen while this data. About, um, how the patients, I mean, I'm pretty sure the patients will be happy if their data can help guide treatment in the future for other patients.
0: Oh, they will never know. You know, that's another thing. Like that's the, the some of those patients will, will never really benefit from that. And again, as you said, like this is already on the collected, on the patients who already underwent the treatment. So yeah. it's not going to benefit them. It's just going to benefit other people. And the benefit price tag is $2 billion. Yeah, exactly. That's a, and like, that's a, bold, that's a bold and huge number.
1: So yeah, no exactly. yeah, because there's no, I mean, the product is us again, right? This is kind of like what Facebook and Amazon do to us. We are the product once again. Our information is the product once again. 100%. And, yeah, and we are not really, okay, we, the royal we, this has nothing to do with you and me, but, you know, the patients that went through this, um, you know, will not benefit monetarily of money that they may get. Again, if the company decides to like, oh, we'll, if you let us keep your information, we will help you with your cost of hospital of hospital, or something like that, you know. Mm-hmm. If they, I mean, they do the testing, right, as well. So if they waive the, the testing uh, fee or something like that, fantastic, good for the company. And if the patients are okay with that and that the patients are Fully aware that their information is gonna be used and is gonna be sold as a bundle and is gonna worth over two billion dollars for sure at the end.
0: I think this is the this is kind of as you were saying. We are in this time where data is the currency of the world, right? Yes. And this is the prime example of how it how it applies to healthcare and pharmaceutical industry. It's it's and, and there's different ways you can really feel about it, but that's just, I guess, regardless of how one feels about it, that's just the nature of the game now, and, and uh, the question is, like, what do people do about it, how do people respond to when they see that kind of headline, like, as a, try and separate, maybe, like, between your research persona, and everything you know about research, versus, like, a, just the person who reads this article, like, what are the two sides of the coin that you have maybe wrestling in your own mind about
1: that? Well, first, the scientist part of me thinks this is fantastic. Uh, continuous study with multiple points of the, the tumor progression. Even when I, I don't study cancer, I study neurodegeneration. That would be incredible if we could take, you know, brain samples from a patient in their twenties, thirties, uh, every five years to see the progression of that. That yeah. would be incredible. I mean it's really powerful data for us. On the other hand, I myself do not like my data being out there too much. So for example 23andMe or some other stuff like that, I I would love to know but I don't want to because I don't want my data to be out there. There is still not strong enough laws to protect our information, or if the last change in the future to keep some of this information outside of you know incorrect uh, uses for it.
0: Yeah, I just I just did a quick uh, napkin uh, uh, calculation. Two billion dollars divided by eighty-six thousand people is uh, about twenty-three thousand dollars per person. So basically, the question is: I wonder. And it's not really mentioned there whether or not those patients were actually compensated for that data collection. That's that's what I want to know. Because it's one thing you just get tested, and based on the results of the test, there is potentially a different regimen for your approach to treatment of your cancer, which is mm-hmm. a benefit in, in and of itself. Whether or not there was any kind of besides like, okay, you sign. That you agreed to lend this data forever and sort of like that, right versus mm-hmm. actual monetary compensation, because the monetary compensation now is looking like ten, more than you know twenty thousand dollars, which is crazy I mean of course, other costs notwithstanding, but still that's such a huge amount of value that you got per single person
1: well, uh, and this is where it gets a little tricky, right because. The data from a single person is useless. Okay, It's not useless, but it's really hard to exploit and to analyze. I like
0: that word exploit.
1: I think that's exactly how
0: companies are thinking about that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it's realistically, right? Even if you have 10 people, 20 people, 30 people, it is not powerful enough. You need to have thousands of people and they did that really well. And at that point is when your data becomes valuable. Before that, it is, it is valuable to a point, but it is not as valuable as if you are sell as a bundle, for example, which is the same for Facebook. My single data does not really work that much until they realize that I have um, certain political orientations, uh, certain different things, and then they can specifically target me for things.
0: Exactly. But that's another, that's a good point that you bring up because that's very similar. It's not just the companies would benefit from large number of data. That's exactly the same approach we use in in research. You Mm -hmm. need enough data to make any sort of claim, scientifically backed claim based on your results. You need enough results in order to generate any kind of reasonable conclusion that people would believe. This is just called statistical significance. So it's nothing really uncommon, it's just in the case of the company, now they're using that data, all, all of that significance, if you will, and putting a price tag on that. So what do you think is going to be, um, I guess, a way to look at, at, at these examples going forward? Like how much more, like is, is there gonna be tens of, or like hundreds of thousands of people, or millions of people's of worth of data and there's going to be a price tag for that too down the line for these kinds of research uh, endeavors that are going to be done by these companies.
1: I, I absolutely. I mean, this. So this is very timely. I just finished listening to uh, the immortal life and real Literally yesterday, I was uh, doing the audiobook, and since that, a very different situation. But at the end of the book, they have a specific chapter in which they talk about this and how the data is valuable and whether the subjects the research subjects deserve to know more but at the end is something that you know we 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 you and i cannot address we as scientists will do whatever is permitted to us mm-hmm. up to at the end the specific governments to regulate this, how this data is going to use
0: that's a good question should it be regulated like how, like what's the way to even think about that like is it, it let's just put it this way from the moral standpoint
1: benefits
0: mm-hmm. money and all that kind of other stuff aside morally is it okay for a company to keep the data about a person like that's something like so it's like at the core of it all this is we struggle with we don't struggle we face it every day of our life mm-hmm. uh, uh, when you visit a website the website tracks your activity on the website right same thing is here, it's tracking your data. That's That kind of moral idea of company holding information about you, like how morally correct is that? Or was it always the case?
1: I, I, think, I think morally is fine. I mean, they are trying to use this information. The problem is if they're trying to use it in a way that is detrimental to you as a person
0: yeah which doesn't seem to be the case right There's, it's 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 that sort of already that kind of data has nothing to do with these people any longer so i don't think i don't see it harming those people unless that information now gets exposed and you actually can able, would be able to identify those individuals who were part of that study
1: exactly and, and that's that's the core question that is going to need to be necessary privacy because for example um that, that's what happened with 23andMe and uh, giving information to the police or to the FBI, right? Uh, in which someone, a relative of a serial killer, I think it was the Golden State Killer, gave a sample and then they realized that it was a familiar sample, so they tracked it back to someone else, right? And at that point, there's no regulation of, well, I give you my data voluntarily. <laughs> And I said, yes, you can do research and studies, but I did not agree to you giving it to the police because that can be tracked back to my family and then a violation of my privacy. And I think for these patients, it's gonna be similar, right? If the only thing that they're gonna get out of this is how to steer certain cancer treatments, I'm pretty sure the patients are gonna be happy because they can help other people, even if it doesn't result in monetary benefit from the patients if they are one. Well informed of what their data is going to be used, that is not going to be used for anything outside of that, and that the you know then I think it's morally okay because it it will benefit other people and the company needs to make money. I am well aware of that.
0: But here's my question, and I think it's 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 worth asking. So the two, like what goes into that two billion dollars? Because that's that's. I'm, I'm all, I guess I agree with you in the sense that we have, we have always seen that information becomes valuable and you can mm-hmm. probably put some kind of price tag on the information. In this case, we're dealing with health data and patient data. So the $2 billion and the cost that it, let's, let's break, try and break down where that $2 billion can really go to or like back calculate. Mm-hmm there was a cost to run the tests, which I assume maybe over 86,000 people, it probably no more than I would say a couple thousand dollars to run all those tests. Let's say, I don't know, $10,000 to run a test for like all those series of tests. That's <laughs> eight, $860,000. Let's say doing the test, that's number one. Mm-hmm. The number two, having some kind of, IT infrastructure to process that data and make it available, which mm-hmm. is let's say another couple million dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all, literally it. You, you have the data to run, you, you have the uh, sort of the portion that is allocated to do the tests. Mm-hmm. That's the cost of that. And the cost of just having that data somewhere stored, that's a few million dollars. The $2 billion, that's the most, that's where that I kind of don't quite understand. Now, the reason it is costing that much money because it is secluded from all the other types of data. It's actually under lock and key because now you can put a price tag on that vault of data, not mm-hmm. just on the, on the cost of how, how much it, 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 you guys spend on doing that and how much it takes to store it, but on what that represents. And, and hmm. that's, I think that's, I think when it comes to health data, I think that's a little bit, that shouldn't be like that. I think not like in these kinds of numbers, that's just too crazy. Hmm. Because I mean, okay, ultimately it's not, I would say this, in case of Facebook and all these kinds of stuff, what do you go, ultimately there is a higher price tag, I suppose for the uh, person's data because you can direct ads to them okay great. Yeah. that's why you pay for that sort of that's you have pay for that intelligence mm-hmm. about a person because there is a value for other companies to try and sell something to those people down the line but i wonder what's the incentive for somebody to pay that much money to access that information are you gonna <laughs> sell them a, like a, a chemotherapy that you yeah. haven't yet developed or something like i don't see the payment structure for that kind of money
1: well, that's the thing. They may have the chemotherapies already, right? The problem is if some cancers will react to, some, to certain chemotherapies, but not to others. So this will allow them to guide it. And if they find an underlying mechanism or all of these people have a specific mutation, they can narrow down their research and not waste the millions and millions of dollars and years and years of development, just fishing fraud. Okay so being able to have those two is mostly time right as well because gathering all of these data from people I'm pretty sure it took at least a couple years
0: okay yeah okay that's fair that's fair yeah
1: yeah and with but you're absolutely right I mean two billion dollars is a ton and it really makes me think how much chemotherapy are they actually going to sell and how much money they're actually going to save by you know being able to Specifically. I mean, it's powerful, yes, and they may make a lot of money, but I'm still surprised by the $2 billion. I think it's just a hard number to comprehend a little bit sometimes.
0: And I guess we could take it with some grain of salt, like who knows like exactly how those analysts draw the number on this particular type of data. Because mm-hmm. I imagine it's not like somebody will be willing to shell out, I mean, maybe there will be somebody, honestly, at this point, who would just shell out $2 billion to just get unlimited access to that database, but I would imagine it being used by multiple companies. But then again, like, yeah, you're ultimately just paying some fee for an access to that and nowhere near this obscene amount of
1: money. Well, uh, they would actually, so so that's true. That's something a company could do, right? Give access to the data. But there's been other companies that did something similar with other types of cancer. Mm -hmm. And just a big uh, AstraZeneca, I think, is the one that bought them a similar company that, uh, again, had a big database on different types of cancer. And they bought it for $5.1 billion or some, something, something ridiculous like that, up, upwards of $5 billion. And it's just for themselves. Yeah.
0: That's, that's nuts. So, I, I guess, yeah. like, say, in your field, how much how much value do you think there would be for the data on like HIV patients? Like similar sort of time dependent data collection like for from HIV patients, like how valuable would that be for research?
1: I mean, very uh, locally for HIV because it became such a big problem that lasted for so long. The United States government created some central banks for HIV brains and it's incredibly valuable. I mean, getting samples from there takes a long time and it really benefits research because you can actually show that what they are observing and the government also gave you grants to study, you know, five, $6 million over the course of five years or more that is actually applicable to humans. So it, it is a good validation and absolutely it is, it is quite valuable. The United States uh, government and the CDC and NIH did a really good um, good job creating these data banks for HIV at least.
0: So is there no, um, I guess, comparable proprietary database for HIV patients like on that scale?
1: Not that I'm aware of, but there may be out there. Okay. Right. I'm pretty sure the ones that would be really valuable would be, you know, the generation. Okay. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah, that one, because I mean, Alzheimer's is just, I mean, even for COVID right now, right? Oh, uh, yeah. Gathering, like, information of a ton of patients, how do they respond, if they have any mutations or anything like that? I mean...
0: Yeah, you're right. That,
1: Actually, that would be
0: a jackpot. Yeah, we, we were talking about it off air. Like yeah. If there's any kind of potential mutation in the receptor that attaches to spike protein, you yeah. want to know that. You want to know... Because I think also, not just on the, on the... Well actually you can you can you can find value on that on so many different levels not just for patients but also for hospitals too that would allocate resources mm-hmm. also for the government potentially that allocates resources to the hospitals to the companies that actually provide the treatment options and all that kind of stuff so i think there's a lot of people who would get benefits. so you can i guess kind of see where the snowballing of the of all the different stakeholders within the sort of patient, you know, in a patient's vicinity could really benefit from, from having that kind of data. So I guess if, in some ways, I guess the, the bottom line of our discussion is like, yeah, there's, that kind of number is crazy. It's a, is a lot to comprehend. Yeah. There's probably there's a lot of intrinsic value that can be, uh, can be obtained from it. But something uh, like patient concern is still still very important,
1: exactly, absolutely. I, I agree completely. I think the number for us is a little bit hard to comprehend, but I think is well justified because it will save resources at every level and help a lot of patients. What worries me more or what draw more and more attention was: do the patients that gave their, their information knew that it was going to be used in this way? Did they get any compensation, and how are they? How are their identities protected? Because I mean, there's a lot of data in there. And that's something that, I mean, it has been discussed multiple times in the United States Senate and Congress and, you know, the president also, not this one, I'm not sure if this one, but other presidents have talked about it and it's, you know, for discussion with multiple people. But at some point, we need to decide how we're gonna protect patient data. And I know there's a law of non discrimination based on genetic information and genetic sharing, but you know, it needs to be more, compre- more comprehensive and updated once in a while.
0: Yeah, that's actually like one last point I wanted to bring up, which is actually I think very interesting. You mentioned the word discrimination and one of the interesting aspects that a lot of, I guess, clinical trials are now trying to uh, address, and a lot of researchers as like, not just basic researchers, but also in companies, is the diversity of the data which is meaning (laughs) when it comes to this particular case, like who are those 86,000 people that we're already talking about? We really wanna know their race, their gender, some of the other potential. Like another important thing is that in particularly in cancer research, but also I guess across the board for other diseases is what's called social determinants of health. Like some of those aspects that, how does that affect people? So I think when you start bringing in those additional data points, that may just sort of go well beyond the scope of just looking at the genomic data for those patients over time. I think this is where you really can have those really crazy multipliers on the amount of insight that you can get, and you can draw all these kinds of different correlations now.
1: No, absolutely, and um, and that is really powerful and can lead to a lot of good. The problem is a very easy, pretty slow using yeah. correctly and oh. that's you know I would honestly like so, to see some more action and that's something that I, I always have passion one of my old uh, PIs was in the California uh, California Governor's uh, Cancer Board so they would, he would meet with the governor and discuss um, what new substances to put on the cancer region at least for the state of California that needs to be like, protected and, you know, that's something that I would like to do in the future, like, be part of policy making on that. So yeah, this is something that affects all of us, whether we realize it or not. And, I don't know, I still don't like my data being out there too, too willy-nilly without protection.
0: That's, that's true. And uh, the amount of data that will, that is already out there about us, not just health data, but health data going forward is just going to be more and more, yeah. and the, those po- the policies that you're talking about are absolutely important. So just, just as the technology evolves to collect more data and be more efficient, that's another aspect of it all, is the the way we actually process the data and analyze it and make conclusions and uh, that we can act upon. That's what also is accelerating right now, and that has to be taken into
1: consideration too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and maybe for another time, we should discuss a little bit on Apple and their push to start Apple Health, and Google and their acquisition of Fitbit. Because oh yeah, there's there's plenty of,
0: of talk on the on the digital health side of things. Exactly. Especially, so especially especially now, I mean, uh, all the telehealth options that are becoming more available and getting a lot of traction online for obvious reasons. Yeah. Well, that will be a conversation for another time. Thank you very much, Daniel, for joining me today. It was awesome, and, and it's my pleasure to have you.